Lee turns violently towards windows in the alcove and throws a beer can. God damn these crickets. Shut up out there. This place is like a fucking rest home here. How are you supposed to think? You want to take a break? No, I don't want to take a break. I want to get this done. This is my last chance to get this done. All right, take it easy. I'm going to be leaving this area. I don't have time to mess around here. Where are you going? Never mind where I'm going. That's got nothing to do with you. I just got to get this done. I'm not like you, hanging around being a parasite off of other fools. I got to do this thing and get out. A parasite? Me? Yeah, you. After you break into people's houses and take their televisions. They don't need their televisions. I'm doing them a service. Give me back my keys, Lee. Not until you write this thing. You're going to write this outline thing for me or that car is going to wind up in Arizona with a different paint job. <laughs> you think you can force me to write this? I was doing you a favor. Get off your high horse, will you? F favor, big favor, handing down favors from the mountaintop. Let's just write it, okay? Let's sit down and not get upset and see if we can just get through this. Austin sits at typewriter. You're not going to even show it to him, are you? What? This outline. You, you got no intention of showing it to him. You're just doing this because you're afraid of me. You can show it to him yourself. I will, boy. I'm going to read it to him on the golf course. And I'm not afraid of you either. Then how come you're doing it? So I can get my keys back. Lee takes keys out of his pocket slowly and throws them on the table. There. Now you got your keys back. The theater, the theater. Drum line. Yeah. Hi. Hi, friends. Hi. Hi. How y'all doing? Good. I'm good to be back. It's so good to be back. I mean, I'm frightened for the world and for our country, but that's not really, that's been the same This is our time away from that. Yeah. Well, what a time to read Sam Shepard, though, is kind of what I'm reflecting on. You know, and yeah, in a lot of ways, a lot of ways. The underbelly of the American dream. It's true. And also generationally, it's really interesting to see like what he's commenting on in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s and how we've all grown from those decades and how it's a, how we're watching it happen now and it's like it's so apparent yeah if we had all just read buried child in 76 we would all get it you <laughs> it would know? all be fine it would be so much better yeah. um not wow. that I, yeah um cj and scott if you saw on our instagram story we're just in a, a zoom production it wasn't live though was it it mm. was pre no we recorded okay okay yeah, i yeah. thought it was live the whole time and i was like really impressed and then at the end when you guys were <laughs> normal clothes for the talk back i was like oh okay well uh, um, <laughs> still very good. Why don't we get into it? You like Let's do it. This is season two. We're starting it off right. That was written by Ron and Ryan Thomas Johnson. Um, welcome to Theater Theater, the theater podcast for theater people made by three theater nerds from the LA theater scene. I'm Jay Bailey Burcham. 
I'm CJ Merriman. And I'm Scott Leggett. And each week we get together to discuss, debate, and disseminate the evolutions of the great playwrights. And before I introduce our mini-series, we wanted <gasps> to let you know about a bit of a format change that we're going to be doing. CJ, why don't you tell us about it? <laughs> we'll still be covering playwrights as our main feed, but between each playwright mini-series, we're going to insert a special, we're going to insert a special oh, bonus CJ you post pick post pick that is about something theater related or theater adjacent that's right that's right so Bailey might choose one week to cover a musical he wants to share with CJ and me and then the next time CJ might want to tackle Harry Potter or some other kind of crazy shit some um, bullshit some bullshit <laughs> uh, and you might say nerds that's not theater. And mm -hmm. we'd be like, we'd be like arguing with you. Like everything is theater, first of all. Okay. <laughs> all the world's a stage. All the world's a stage, but we might cover movies. We might cover television, theme park attractions, even mother effing politics. Cause that's, that's the most theater of all theater. Okay? Oh yes. And None of that everything... shit existed if it wasn't for theater. Exactly. Uh -huh. That's absolutely true. And we can get into that. I might, that might be one of my Bailey picks just like, like, let's just talk about like the evolution of like pageant wagon theater, like back in the day, you know what oh I mean? God, I love theater We history. might do that. Yeah, so we're gonna cover movies, television, theme park attractions, politics, everything and everything, anything we want to cover and we'll relate it back to theater as an art form. Yeah. How are you guys feeling about that? Is that exciting? We got a little bit great. of- a Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think yeah. we need a name for it. Okay. Um, if if like people, what? I don't know, we could the call- host pick episodes? Host pick episodes. We could call it random stuff, arbitrary random topics stuff. of interest, or ATI. <laughs> the ATI. Outside stuff, beyond the Are stage. Beyond, beyond the, the stage. stage and, and I kind of like that. I, I, I typed out beyond the stage and stuff. <laughs> stuff. So, um, what if it, we could just call it theater, theater, and stuff. Theater, theater, mm, and stuff. Mm, and stuff. stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. But if uh, if you listeners have any feedback, uh, tweet at us. Um, yeah. uh, leave, if you think of any comments. topics that you want to cover, we will. We might throw it down. We might yeah. see. I mean, we've already chosen. Each of us have already chosen what our first one's gonna be because mm -hmm. we're gonna do them between every playwright miniseries. So that's pretty exciting. But uh, I'm I'm gonna I'll I'll introduce one of them at the end of this mini series. So stick around to the end and you'll yeah. know what one of our I'm very excited about all of them, but we're all over the map with this one. Super pumped. Um, but it's still gonna be theater, theater shit for your brains. So shit for brains. Um, so <laughs> anyway, we should introduce today's topic. For today, we begin our mini series, Fool for Pod, the works of the late great. Sam Shepard. I'm really excited. What a I'm really, really excited. Right now. It was, um, yeah, yeah, it was great to get back into him after a long time. This was, was a good one to start with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, he was so huge when I was coming up, and mm -hmm. and you know, then he kind of went through. I think people just, you know, people got tired out, but I think uh, after yeah. his passing. You know, the resurgence and the re-exploration of Absolutely. stuff is, you know, is I, huge. I wanted to, we called this Fool for Pod, which is like Fool for Love, right? And that's fun. Mm -hmm. And I always do like a silly whatever. But I came up with some other ones for this episode. I just want to run them by you real quick in case please, there's one that we like please. better, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, true Cast. All right. Mm -hmm. Like True that's West. Good. That, that mm -hmm. kind of works. True mm -hmm. Cast. Mm -hmm. uh, Fool for Pod. Uh, 
cast pod mouth. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yes. Like cowboy mouth? Cast yeah. pod mouth? Uh, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't work. Okay. Um, uh, <laughs> a, a pod of the mind? A pot of the mind I kind of like. Okay. Like a lie yeah. of the mind? Okay. Yeah. Or a lie of the pot? <laughs> That one sucks. Um, <laughs> it just sucks after the first one. <laughs> right. The other one I really liked that doesn't really work because it was more of a collaboration was Pod Cascada. Mm, yeah. Because O Calcutta is a is a collaboration that was actually devised by one guy, but then like John Lennon wrote on it and like Sam <laughs> yeah. Beckett and Sam Shepard and all these people. Um, but none of them actually worked together. They just like submitted shit. So yeah. I can't call it that. Podcast in B minor. Oh, that see, that's fun, mm, but nice. it's a little Sarah Kane. Um, but then, the, <laughs> what I actually think might be the best is Sam Shepard. That's it's not bad. I like that's pretty good. I, I but we're gonna keep pull for pod. But yeah, because then we're gonna have to fit it into every playwright. That's true. But Sam Shepard's pretty funny. That's, that's what pretty call it in great. the episode. Great. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, let's get into it. We're connoisseurs of context on this fucking podcast. So I would love to know what is y'all's context with Shepard? Did you know him before this? I think we had all kind of mentioned that we at least knew him in some format, right? I read, I was made to read Buried Child and Major Dramatist 2 my freshman year. Mm -hmm. And I watched Sam Shepard in Bloodline. And that is yeah. it. But I do remember He's reading- so good in Bloodline. He is well, and then like after reading the plays and everything, I was like, "Boy, Bloodline was kind of it was Sam Shepard in Florida." I mean, like the way I didn't see the yeah. most recent season, but Norbert Leo Butts, Gorlock alum, got to call out. Yeah, but yeah, I I remember reading Buried Child as a youngin and think like the very Midwesternness of it the whole time. Yeah. I was like, "Yep, yep, yep." Mm -hmm. I would argue that it is almost an Easter egg that Sam Shepard is in Bloodline. Yeah. yeah, because it is so Sam Shepard. That's yeah. a great way to think about it. Yeah, yeah, it's almost sort of weirdly fits into his like family drama quintet, <laughs> you know, like which we'll get into. And then what else? Have, have you so you haven't seen a lot of it on stage? I haven't seen any of it. On any stage. of it? Got mm -mm. it. Okay. Mm -mm. Okay. Radical. Radical. Yeah. Scott, what's your what? Have you seen a lot of this? I've seen a lot of his stuff. Yeah. Um, I feel like you've met and him. a lot of multiple versions of his stuff. Right. Um, but I discovered him as a kid when mm -hmm. I saw The Right Stuff and the movie The Right, right Stuff where he plays Chuck Yeager. Oh. And he, uh, I just, we can get into that movie at another time, but I was, I was so- I have to be a Scott pick for the N stuff. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Inside info. Wink, wink. Wink, wink. wink. Yeah, um, wink. But I was just like enamored of that film as a kid. And my mom was like, no, he's a playwright. Uh, and then I remember, I can't even remember what Sam Shepard I randomly picked up and tried sure. to And it was sure. like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, um, I, I, I need a shower. Uh, yeah. But then I, um, yeah. uh, you know, did a lot of it, his stuff in college, a lot of scene work, a lot of reading yeah. of, of all the big stuff. And then, um, I've seen a bunch of stuff and mm. we'll talk about some of those that I've seen some, some big ones, some, you know, big ones that I saw. For sure. I, um, my context with him was definitely, uh, the first thing that actually was ever handed to me as a monologue was a fool for love monologue. Mm. Oh, 
Oh. Um, and I think it was even like it's like the story he tells um about meeting the his sister for the first time, but not really knowing right. uh, who she was. Yeah. Um, or something like that. And somebody gave it to me as like a, a audition monologue for something. Hmm. Um, and it was like one of the first times I ever had to go to an audition and do a monologue. I think I was like 16. And I was just like, what is a monologue? Okay, let's <laughs> let's find out. And then I did it and was told afterward, never do a monologue that is just a story. And I was like, oh, I must have done horribly. But then I got the part and everything was great. But the but the idea was I that was a big thing that I learned. But also it's like an interesting story, so it's fine. But there's not yeah. like anywhere for it to go. Mm. right so right. like if in a in an audition just telling a story isn't always necessarily that you know the best idea you want to find higher stakes and things like this anyway i digress my point is that uh fool for love was the first thing i did uh and then i uh went to college and when i was working in at hogwarts in the script library i read a lie of the mind and i was mm. like oh shit oh, yeah, yeah <laughs> that was the say. one that really hooked me and then i started reading all of his shit and i think i read it all in like a semester yeah and like all of it like mm. like maybe not all like 40 plays at the time you know like but like i had hit a pretty high number in the 20s where i was just like all of his shorts all of his everything um and the first play i ever directed i got chosen to direct in a one act festival in kansas city and I uh, directed Cowboy Mouth. It was the first thing I ever wow. directed. Wow. I learned what? so fucking much. Yeah, yeah, you would. I was 19. Oh, I was 19 wow. directing <laughs> Cowboy Mouth. I thought I knew, uh, yeah, I might've been about 20. I might've been 20 yeah. actually by that, by that time. And I was... Um, Deep I, end I mean, alert. We're about to throw somebody in. Jesus that's real. Christ. Yeah, no, that's real. Jesus and it, Christ. It, uh, it was it was set up right before it was Zoo Story. Oh, by Ed, Edward Albee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which my dear friend Eric Michaelsberger directed. Uh, who I also uh, uh, who also did Barry Child uh, years ago. I didn't get to see him in it, unfortunately, but apparently he was um, phenomenal in it. The one after it was this one called uh, Bed and Breakfast that is about a woman waking up after um, like a, a lesbian one night stand and she wakes up and goes downstairs and the mother of the woman she slept with the night before is the only one there. And they like have breakfast together and it's super weird and awkward, but awesome. And it was this beautiful night of theater, but mine was right in the middle. Oof. And it was um, just people walked out. Like it was, oh, no. uh, well, the show is, I, I mean, the I don't shows, know. Yeah, yeah. The I show is it. about two people in a heroin den, you know, like mm -hmm. it is, it goes all the way. And I had them playing live music. I had them like, we went loud and crazy and I had them smoking cigarettes and it was just, it was fucking nuts. Ooh. Okay. We got away with a lot. We got Sounds away with like a lot. like the Midwest. Yeah. And it was, it was really fun. Um, I made some massive mistakes. I cast my, uh, one of my best friends who happened to be my roommate and his girlfriend. Okay. Oh, so no, no, if no. I, the first thing I learned <laughs> in that production is that you cannot get sexual chemistry from two people who have been sleeping together for years. Yep. <laughs> like it just doesn't work. Like they looked like brother and sister and it gave Aww. it this whole weird extra thing, but they're both phenomenal actors. Oh, I dropped my Sam Shepard book. Uh, Phil Morris, Carly Heyer. They were absolutely like next level. It, they gave, the performances of lifetimes but like i was 
a mediocre director at best and that's for sure um but i was really proud of it just being raw and like yeah i was a fucking kid and i was just i was just throwing shit at the wall and i had like it's a very punk musical but i didn't really get that and i mean musical it's a very punk show but i i didn't really get that so i had like who posters on the wall and like um sex pistols and shit like it it did none of it really worked none of it really matched did you know who Patty Smith was at the time? Yes. I mean, okay. Yes. So I actually ended up reading her autobiography. Which is um, true. Because I was She's just so obsessed with it. Yeah. Fascinating. And one that's of the a, best... That's a bonus episode. That's Let's absolutely just... a bonus episode. But one piece of that that's worth telling right now, because it's Sam Shepard related, is that he wrote Cowboy Mouth based on his time with Patty Smith of them doing... Uh, basically in a heroin den uh just doing drugs and and loving each other and ordering takeout all the time and tripping balls and he wrote this and they were putting it up off broadway off 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 broadway and they opened it they did a night where they played the part slim and cavale mm-hmm. and then I, the next yeah. night sam just didn't show up for the performance and he never spoke to Patty Smith again. Oh my God. He literally was just out. He was like, it's, it was too real. Like doing that performance last night was just way too real for me. And he dipped the fuck out and just wow. never, yeah, <laughs> just never did the performance again. They did reunite years later. They oh, re- did they? Around 2010, he joined no her shit. and they did po- a poetry reading thing together that's i I, that's what i because i'd always heard that story also he was having an affair with patty smith he was married with a kid right right. which is what cowboy mouth is about yeah Yeah. i mean you find out slim has a kid and 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 a and a wife and he's he's acting like he is being um kidnapped by her and she's sort of acting like she's kidnapped him but yeah, it's kind of obvious Theater that he's as just confession. Yeah. Well, and what's <laughs> inter- when we get into uh, the Scottopedia here in a second, there's a, what happens as a result of that. CJ is going to uh, particularly uh, acknowledge and enjoy. <gasps> Listening to you guys talk about this, it's because uh, there's been so many playwrights that I've been like, what have I been doing with my life that they know all this stuff and I don't? And Sam Shepard, it makes a little bit of sense to me because. And I read, I only read Cowboy Mouth in addition to our four deep dives, yeah. but like all the women in these plays, except for the young woman and buried child are like mother types, they're older. Right. And when I was in school, all of the conservatory scenes that were thrown at me were Wendy Wasserstein, Lee Blessing, um, <laughs> Humana <laughs> Festival. Yeah, right. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. otherwise <laughs> I was playing drunk old women on stage. So- hey, Humana Festival has some great shit in it sometimes. It also has. Ugh. Horse it does. shit. It, does. Yes. It, does. it has it great does. shit and horse shit. Yeah. Well, like I remember yeah. every year for conservatory, Humana Festival would be done and somebody would immediately have ordered it on Amazon when Amazon was only books. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was- yeah. I have the I, new Humana Festival. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Give it to me. I need, I need a monologue for a 19 year old woman and nobody writes them. <laughs> right. What is that? There's a play that I found in the Humana Festival book and it's like Gordo versus the volcano, Gordo versus the hurricane or something like that. I, hurricane I just, Gordo. I yes. Talking about? Oh my God. 
kinda. It's like on this e- the edge of my memory knowledge. Gonna, like, I just remember what is that sound so familiar? It. We'll find uh, it. Yeah, we'll do it. Research, research. Uh, but it's one of those that I did for like an Irene Ryan scene, and I remember being like, "I bet this is a great play," and then I never read the whole play. Um, I'm sure it's great. Was, uh, it, was the Anton in show business? Was that the one? Was that a Humana Festival? I'm sure it was. That sounds so familiar. Yeah, I anyway. looked through uh, 94 through 99 of Humana Festival uh, is pretty good. And then like 2002 to like 04 is nice, but skip 05 and 06 because that's where it gets real fucking pretend. Forget about it. <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't know him that well. It's um, like the Lilith Fair of theater festivals. Exactly. Cool, y'all. So I guess we should move on to our next segment. Scottpedia. That was our first stinger. Hey, this is the first stinger. Yeah. Um, we have new stingers uh, written by um, the brilliant Ryan Thomas Johnson, who yeah. also writes, uh, uh, wrote our our theme song, and he's yeah. fucking amazing. I can't wait amazing. to hear about this guy's mommy issues. Um, <laughs> or just like family issues. Let's be straight up. Oh, he's yeah, got some yes. brother issues. He's Absolutely. Got some... Let's get into it. Let's hear about it, Scott. Word. Yes, family. Uh, Samuel <laughs> Shepard Rogers third mm. was born November 5th, 1943. Um, he was born in Fort Sheridan, Illinois. Do you know where Fort Sheridan is, CJ? You're from Illinois. Well, yeah. fucking look it up. Everyone uh, assumes I'm from Chicago when I say Illinois. So. Right. Right. Um, he was named uh, Samuel Shepard Rogers III after his father, Samuel mm-hmm. Shepard Rogers Jr., but was called Steve Rogers. Steve Rogers, yeah, Captain Sam America. Is Sam Shepard Captain America? If anybody, Hold on. if anybody Please, is, no. it should be. Well, he maybe he should be. He's real, man. It's Guys, real. Yeah, the you real Captain America. That's what he should be called. <laughs> Remember the end of Endgame? Yeah. When he yeah. goes back? I, yeah. I'm, listen. Do you I'm think going... he went back and he lived the life of Sam Shepard? <laughs> that of Captain America? <laughs> see, I like that. See That's Chris Evans strung out with Patty Smith in the hotel room. <laughs> Yo, love it. we're making that movie. <laughs> the MCU that just got real, y'all. MCU got real. Yo, it's a multiverse. We can do anything now. We can yeah, do now I like Marvel anything. even more. Yeah. <laughs> All right, keep going. Yeah, so, you know, but it's a great thing. And, uh, you know, well, Captain America already existed at that point. So there was a point where he just was like, fuck that. Um, His dad was a teacher and a farmer who served in the United States uh, Army Air Force, was a bomber pilot in World War Mm. II. That tracks. Shepard characterized his father as, quote, a drinking man, a dedicated alcoholic. Mm. God, that sounds fucking terrible. Well, we yeah, but it, my mom's dad. It yielded yeah. it yielded masterpieces of theater and and Absolutely. dramatic literature. It brought us Dodge from Buried Child, he, one of my new favorite oh roles. My God. <laughs> he right? worked it out via plays. Well, and the, it was from one of the, as and I dug a little bit deeper. We don't need to go into it, but his dad was a teacher like we i think when i first heard oh his dad was an alcoholic what i had in my head wasn't what he was he was a very smart very educated dude mm. he was apparently a very good teacher but it was that that type very of high functioning yeah um his mother um uh, jane elaine was a teacher and a native of chicago cool. uh, growing up shepherd worked uh, as a ranch hand as a teenager he did Yep. Um, he went to college. 
Uh, he dropped out too. of college. He dropped out of college and uh, he joined a traveling theater company called Bishop's <gasps> Company. Um, he yeah, was he, a tragedian. Yes, yes. Whoa. He, uh, he was in the pageant wagon. That's cool. Yeah, but he <laughs> he basically got to college. He discovered Samuel Beckett. He discovered uh, avant-garde he, um, uh, art, uh, jazz. Um, he He got sucked into bohemia. Uh, mm-hmm. s- sucked into Bohemia, a new play um, by me. Um, he moved <laughs> this to. This is Calcutta. Bohemia <laughs> is dead. You know that uh, Leon Russum, friend of the podcast and participant, mm-hmm. particip- uh, was in the original Broadway, Oh, Calcutta. We should talk Of course about he fucking was. Wait, yeah. what? Yeah, he was in of the original one. Yeah, we'll need to talk to him at some point. I want to see Leon naked. Um, there's pictures. They were all naked. Yeah, he got pictures. naked at the Living Theater uh, production of The Serpent when right. all of the actors so were hot. getting in their face. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my yeah. god. We yeah, talked was... about him in my theater history class, and I brought it up <laughs> ten years later when I knew him, and he's like, "Oh yeah, that was me and my buddies." And I was like, "What?" What? <laughs> god, he's sorry. So sexy. Digression. So sexy. He's so Digression. That's sexy. what it's all about. <laughs> Um, in 1965, he moves to New York City. Sam mm-hmm. Shepard, not Leon Russell, but Leon, I think, was already there. So, uh, <laughs> uh, and he uh, he joined up with uh, La Mama Experimental Theater Company, um, yeah. and one that we should do an episode on at some point because sure. It did amazing things. Yeah. Um, so they started producing his one acts, uh, Dog and the Rocking Ch- and the Rocking Chair were two of the, the earliest ones they produced. Yeah. Uh, they did the Unseen Hand, uh, which became sort of his first bigger hit. Um, and it productions were done in multiple places, including London, and it was a huge influence on Rocky Horror. And if you read it and watch Rocky Horror back to back, it becomes pretty evident. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, so he does Cowboy Mouth. Yeah. That's my uh, response to that play. He, 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 he vanishes. Uh, basically, he takes his family, his wife and his kid to London. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where he uh, Which became. He, where he wrote one of my favorite Sam Shepard plays. Which one? The Tooth of Crime. Oh, Tooth of Crime is brilliant. Oh, fuck I, yeah. love I love it. I love it. Some people hate it. Oh, it's so fun. Some people hate it. I know. It's I don't know why. It's basically like this weird um, dystopia where like like record chart toppers are like are like in charge and it's like and it's crazy. I saw a production of it on everyone was on rollerblades and it was the coolest fucking thing i've ever seen you can do so much with it and one of my big things that i'll I'll keep repeating throughout this whole series is i think one of the geniuses of shepherd is how much room he gives directors and actors and everybody to make choices um there's there's this palette where it's it it, it's amazing to me what he what he gives you Mm -hmm. um but so, uh, but back to London. So he's in London, yeah. um, and he starts uh, becoming an adherent to the self-development method called the Fourth Way, mm-hmm. uh, mm. which focuses on ideas about increasing attention and energy minimizing and uh, inattentiveness or drifting, and continually sort of transforming and improving oneself through a variety of methods, some vaguer than others. Um, and he would remain interested in these me- methods of self-improvement throughout the rest of his life. I think that that would be the trigger for him because he had said for years that he had avoided 
writing about his family, dealing right. with family. Mm-hmm. And right. when he finally was like, I need to do this. And in an interview right. I saw, he kind of was like, I need to deal with my shit. I need to right. deal what with this. But what you, you were just mentioning, it brings up a good play, which is it got him into, um, before this, I think he was still in England, actually, um, is he writes Geography of a Horse Dreamer. Have you guys ever read that? No, I've never read that one. Check it out. I'm not even going to say anymore. I want everyone listening to go read Geography of a Horse Dreamer. It's probably in the same book that like Cowboy Mouth would be in. Okay. It's I think I weird and now, interesting yeah. and theatrical and so 70s and so Shepard, but it, you can feel him getting into that sort of oeuvre. And then the tipping point is when I think he comes back to San Francisco, becomes yeah. the playwright in residence. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just uh, streaming through all this because there's so much to talk about. Yeah. Um, he has won uh, throughout his lifetime 10 Obie Awards. He's the record what? holder for the most Obie Award winners, both as That's a writer crazy. and a director. 10. That's Nobody's right. come close. Um, uh, of course, he he comes back from London and then he writes the family trilogy. I don't I think it's kind of a bullshit thing. Kind of. I don't think he, he because I think it, I, he didn't call it that. And I think that. Right. There's there's two more plays that you can add on to that. I just right. think it's the middle section, but say what you will. Well, it's sort of like, and we'll talk about this soon, um, like the August Wilson has those seven, I think, plays that are like really, um, uh, they're called two different things. There's like the century. The cycle. The cycle. The Kentucky or the, cycle, right? Right. No. Or no, the, um, the uh, uh, um, where was he from? The Pittsburgh cycle. Mm-hmm. Yes, Pittsburgh. right. Yeah. Um, but, then, but then there's like, but this feels less intentional to be like they're all part of the same kind of thing i agree i don't know that i think this is something we put onto him but a lot of people would argue that there's five that yeah that i it's think a quintet so. and yeah. i i'm more into that as an idea of like mm-hmm. these five plays It'd be really fun to see all five of them being done like in rep or something you know like something like in that would rep be really or for cool. a season for something, yeah, somebody really that'd be cool super cool but it'd be a lot of family drama so <laughs> we'll see. oh yeah anyway um so yeah um uh, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I have, too, I have so too many angry. notes. I'm so many notes. Yeah, uh, he was nominated. That. He was also uh, a well-renowned actor. He did a lot of film work. Um, oh, yeah. Probably, uh, the Right Stuff, which he got an Oscar nomination for, for Best Supporting Actor. Um, While he was, we're on it, though, yeah. let me shout out a couple more that he's done that are fucking cool. Oh, please. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Midnight Special. Midnight Special is was great. probably the most recent thing he's done that I thought he was phenomenal in. Uh-huh. Uh, he was obviously on Bloodline. He was on Klondike, which I didn't watch, but people loved. Um, okay, everyone has to check out the 2013 movie Out of the Furnace. Okay, mm-hmm. he's fucking next level in that movie. He is Beverly in the opening scene monologue of the August Osage August County oh, movie. Right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, he's I love fantastic. that he and Let's are like connect. I. Yes, I kept thinking of Let's while I was reading this. It's yeah. got Let's Let's vibes, and I would honestly argue that August Osage is almost an homage to Shepard. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like, think almost. I, I could see I think that. Even I think even there, like I don't know if Tracy Let's exists without Sam Shepard. Yeah, I, I, I right. hate to say it. Like I don't mean to take without away anything child. from. Yeah, without taking away Tracy Let's voice and his important. He has a beautiful quote. Agree. He has a beautiful quote about Shepard. Um, that I'll I'll read when we get toward the end in the summation, but it's like Great. he got him he got him all, and he the greatest thing was I watched an interview with Let's um, 
right uh, right uh, on the day that Shepard had passed away, he was interviewed. Right. And it's a lovely little, you know, he he's clearly devastated. But I was so happy to go. He was, to hear Tracy Letts say that he was one of the most generous people. He's like, he had no, he had no reason to be nice to him at all. Mm-hmm. Like he yeah. could have just walked through the room. He was Sam fucking Shepard at that yeah. point. Right, right. And the fact that he was so cool and so giving and so charitable, um, he just thought he was just, he was like awesome. dad he said so it was great a couple Aww. more movie shout outs he's the ghost of uh king hamlet in the ethan hawk michael almer yeda whatever that guy's name is which uh, is the only part of that movie i really like he's Sam brilliant in it <laughs> he's great he's brilliant in it he's um the... he's in fucking um all the pretty horses he's in swordfish he's in black hawk down he's in the notebook he's fucking um gosling's What's... dad in the notebook yes He's great in that. And then he's uh, the most... Go ahead, Scott. What? I was just going to ask, do you know the name of the movie he did with Val Kilmer where they're detectives and they're... Um, Prince uh, of Egypt. They're, they're detectives <laughs> and they have to go to... Um, they have to go to a Native American um, reservation to investigate this murder. And it's it gets real spiritual. It had to have been oh. in the late 80s. It, it was one of the few... Val Kilmer things it's good that people don't know about you know oh, wow okay um so we'll have Voyager. to have to look Defenses. that up Thunderheart maybe it's Thunderheart it is Thunderheart it is Thunderheart Thunderheart yeah, yeah. Okay. it's a great little flick man okay I'll great check little it out. flick some really nice um uh some really good Native American performances right. and we don't He's see Bud Jones and Steel Magnolias I always forget about that yeah yeah uh, but my most favorite performance of his which I ha- I haven't watched the right stuff since I was a kid. So I'll w- when we do that rewatch, I'll, that'll be exciting. But have you all ever seen the the movie that came out of the McConaissance of Matthew McConaughey, uh, Mud? Oh yeah, oh yeah, Mud is great with Sam Shepard. Yes, oh, wins my, God, my for- best supporting actor for that movie that year. I forgot about that. It's yeah. phenomenal, CJ, and it's a great McConaughey performance too. I'm on McConaughey's man. That was yeah. the beginning of the McConaughey's. He did that. He did like Lincoln Lawyer, and then he just like fucking took off. True Detective. You know, and the all little that boy in that going. movie is so good. He's so good, but you know what? He he was just Wade Watts in uh, Ready Player One. Oh, so that kid's god. blown up. He's, oh you know, my god, he's duh, I duh. Yeah. I didn't even put that together. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he's fantastic. Uh, I love that kid. And the other kid who's in it, who plays the best friend, is like, oh yeah, level. yeah. Anyway, keep going. I just wanted to make yeah, sure. No, we- I, 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 and I'm almost done with Scottopedia. Um, so um, he had obviously had a love of horses. He worked at the Santa Anita racetrack. Um, so here's this is the one that gets me. 40 plays, Pulitzer Prize for Buried yeah. Child, yeah. Um, 10 Obie Awards. There's no Tonys. There's not a fucking yeah. Tony anywhere. Mm. Wow. Which makes me go, uh, the, uh, sometimes I, I don't want to knock the Tonys because, but I do feel that the energy towards musicals is just out. Like the plays are just dismissed. Like, and I don't. Right. I don't understand it. And done. Well, and I, and I also kind of got the sense, especially when I was reading these and matched them up with the year. I was yeah. like, I, I almost was like, I wonder if people were like, I don't want to hear about this. I'm not ready. <laughs> sure. You know what I mean? I, also, I don't if know. you look at a lot of the things that would have been nominated against it, it's like, it, it it's like pretty profound things, you know, sometimes. Yeah. So you're like, damn, yeah, I guess. But, and, and he's not so populist. We have to remember that. And That's the true. other thing is, uh, remember Paula Vogel 
doesn't have well, any yeah i was gonna and, i know well, besides indecent but that's not even her that's a directorial thing and they uh uh both of them are mostly live off broadway yeah because yeah. they do intimate theater right you yeah. know right. and and like the Black tonys Fox don't stuff. honor that yeah but it's beautiful that the pulitzers and the obies are, are catching these things mm-hmm. right and being like oh this is worth noting you know it, it's funny that's my favorite um, shit anyway yeah i love it i i thought uh paula vogel is another one that I don't know if you don't have Shepard, if you have How I Learned to Drive. Sure. Um, I have a connection with that later on when we get to another script. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. Um, See, let's see here. Uh, Like, he collaborated with Dylan. Like, he was on the, 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 the Thunder Tour thing and uh, all, all that and, and wrote and did all kinds of stuff. Um, He, (laughs) he had a fear of flying. Um, And, oh, wow. uh, and so Chuck Yeager took him up in a fucking jet airplane and blew his fucking mind, and then he, he got over it. Um, but um, oh, there's this Martin Scorsese doc about the Rolling Thunder review, yeah. the Bob Dylan thing, and it's yeah. got it's got Allen Ginsberg, Patti Smith, uh, Sam Shepard, Ramblin' Jack Elliott. Uh, yeah, uh, even Terrence if you're not a, a a Dylan fan, it is worth yeah. the watch. Yeah. A to watch Dylan. Dylan the fuck out of it like you're just like <laughs> because he's just so aloof and he's like I'm he'll never drop it he'll never yeah. change like um quick story one time I was walking through Florence Italy and we saw a little coffee shop and we had to leave in an hour and we saw this coffee shop had a sign in front of it that said American legend Bob Dylan at six o'clock we were like <laughs> we were like what and we looked in and there was maybe like four tables in this place oh but he God. was going to be playing to like very few people but it was just in Florence. Uh, that is some like serious 09. fucking theater. That's yeah. awesome. And I, I love like, it. That's so cool. And we, if we didn't have to leave, we would have stayed and, and made it happen. But we had to be in um, uh, Rome that night. Oh, we had crazy. to go to Rome. We had to, we had to get to, to, to the ruins of Rome. <laughs> All right. Let me, let me wrap this section up. Truths and Fine. lies. I'm going to... I'm going to give you two truths and a lie. You got to okay. the lie. Okay. All right. <clears throat> What? what, what <laughs> I just suck at this game every time. That's all. And game. Bailey, shut up. And Bailey really knows Sam Shepard. So. <laughs> I don't uh, know anybody. I just do new plays all the time. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Sam Shepard was a practitioner of Penchak Salat, a, a striking-based martial arts. After he uh, encountered headhunters on a trip to Indonesia, he he went about practicing. Say uh, the he, name of that again. Penchak Salat. Penchak Salat. P-E-N-C-A-K-S-I-L-A-T. That's a pretty broad term, I guess, for several different subsections of Malaysian and Indonesian martial arts. Okay, I'm doing it. He studied animal husbandry in college. (laughs) He was a drummer in a psychedelic folk band that appeared on the Easy Rider soundtrack. Three truths. Two truths and one lie. Um... Who's Go picking, ahead, CJ. Pick your pick. Which is the lie? I know. I I'm I no. I'm not gonna say. I know. I'm sure Bailey knows this. Um, I don't. I don't know this. This is hard. I don't know. All three of those things sound wrong to me. <laughs> but they also all track. So I'm A like. A is I don't know. the lie. A. Yeah. The martial arts. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm gonna say. Uh, um. I'm going to say the Easy Rider soundtrack is the lie. Okay. I feel like I would know that. CJ is correct. It's oh, the martial arts. See, 
He was I in a, knew. <laughs> he was in a. I knew folk. the Easy Rider soundtrack was uh, uh, that was on. You must remember this for the Charlie Manson. Uh, right. Yeah. Series. Nice. I just, a, I feel like I would have known that. That's he so was, cool. a, he was, I'm going to go watch Easy Rider now. He, uh, yeah, the band, uh, the band was called the uh, Holy Modal Rounders. Uh, yeah. He was a uh, sporadic, he was labeled as sporadic drummer from 1967 through 1971. Uh, but he did play on, uh, they have one track on, on the Easy Rider soundtrack. And of cool. course, he did study, he started studying animal husbandry uh, and then he found jazz i have a very uh cute story about animal husbandry oh tell do tell i love (laughs) there is an there is an epic picture of me and my dad that i've put all over social media many times and it's when i was literally like two years old and my dad is holding me in his arms and i'm smiling at the camera and i'm wearing this like farmer's trucker hat and it was for um, a place where you took your cows to get them artificially inseminated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's still yeah. like, anytime he sees that picture, he's like, you know what that hat's for, right? <laughs> like, oh God, oh God, oh Lord, oh Lord. Uh, Horrible, but awesome. I mean, these plays are like a dark version of my dad's upbringing because my dad was a high school yeah. teacher. He's still a farmer, but he didn't do the drinking thing and- uh, but yeah, these these plays reminded me of the Midwest and and yeah, I just we'll felt like I was reading it. about my cousins the whole time. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I felt like I was reading about right where I grew up. Yeah. Well, when we do our episode on animal husbandry, you can uh, that can be a <laughs> that can be a CJ pick. Um, <laughs> animal husbandry. Yeah. Um. Cool. Is that the Scottopedia? That's the Scottopedia. That was Scottopedia. good. I can't believe I won. Two truths. You did. You won it. You won it. After saying you would never win, you won. I love this game. I love it now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) God damn. Well, let's do it. Let's get into our first uh, uh, deep dive, right? Or do we want to start stepping through all of his plays, or do we just want to hit the four? Um. I mean, there's there's a lot. There's forty. Um. You know. We're not gonna read them all. We're just gonna we're doing the evolution of his work. So we started. Pretty early, we didn't go all the way back, and then we end pretty close uh, to uh, the end of his writing, mm-hmm. at least um, in years. So let's hop into it. Yeah. Are we ready? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fucking um, a. So uh, yeah, do you want to introduce it? You want to? I guess our yeah. first deep dive <gasps> is nineteen seventy. What year? Eight. Eight. Nineteen seventy-eight. Buried child, child. Now, uh, let's get a breakdown from CJ. CJ's breakdown. It's another new stinger. Go, CJ, <laughs> yeah. go, go. Go, CJ, go. Uh, a story about an American Midwestern family in the 1960s with a dark, terrible secret. Wow. Yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah. P.S. Uh, if we get into the characters, I I think I was like feeling sassy because I've I've been keeping track of the characters so we can pull out names if we're forgetting somebody, and I yeah. gave everyone some funny uh, descriptions. Okay, great. Oh, funny descriptions. Yes. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, that's yeah. perfect. Have you guys ever seen this on stage? Mm-mm. Yes, a couple times, okay. uh, and I saw it. Um, so here's my cool story. This is my cool yeah. story. Yeah. So I finished right. college. I I move. Uh, I moved to Chicago for, I spent a year in Chicago. Chicago? Uh, Chicago. Chicago. Um, and, um, the Bears? 
<laughs> the bears. Um, and um, uh, Gary Sinise was directing Barry Child at Steppenwolf, and I Love got to go Gary see Sinise. it. It was like, and it was, I was, Ethan Hawke was in it. Um, Whoa. Yeah. And uh, Tracy Letts? No, Tracy Letts was not in that one. <laughs> no T Letts? Uh, <laughs> no Letts in that one. That's okay. Um, but um, so I got to see it there, and it, it was. Um, strikingly okay to good um like um strikingly okay well so here's here's a whole thing um i i think about shepherd and in reading barry child is that well i i think you can say this about a lot of playwrights but his in particular like you you can't have a missing piece you can't have a weak link because then it just tumbles and i think that there's a lot of traps in terms of casting Buried yeah. Child. Uh, I still don't, after all these years, and I I read Buried Child years and years before that, I still don't understand Bradley. I understand metaphorically mm-hmm. and symbolically like what the missing leg is. I don't fully get wh- other than he's suffered because of being in this family. Sure. I don't entirely get that, and there's not a lot to go on either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I have an opinion uh, on that. Please jump in. Tell me. Oh, well, no, I don't want to interrupt you. I well, tell your story later. first because I want to, or like, the- oh, yeah, it's, it's I, I, I pretty much did. I'm sorry. It, was, it wasn't that great. I, it was just, I, I was very poor right out of college and was able to afford tickets, which Steppenwolf does a really great job of, of making sure that there's seats available and tickets available for for, yeah yeah. um and and don't get me wrong it was it was a great night i was thrilled as shit to 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 be seeing it and you know i cool cast it was a cool cast yeah Um, that's awesome um what's his name uh fuck i always forget his name who played dodge in that one second let me see what i have look Uh, at that james gammon um oh uh, who's who did a lot of shepherd work? He was in yeah. Eye of the Mind, uh, yeah. the original Eye of the Mind as well, with uh, Kaitel. Yes, and yeah. um, but um, he was in it and he was great. He, most people probably know him, unfortunately, as the manager in the Major League movies. Yeah, the old kind of crusty, big mustache guy. Guys, we've we've talked about the the Major League cinematic user <laughs> on this podcast. Okay, it's a, I'm a big fan. <laughs> I'm a wild thing stan. Um, big James Gammon fan. Uh, mostly just from those movies, though. Um, but he yeah. did so much. But, and he was, I thought he was fantastic. He got very, when I went back and looked, he had very mixed reviews. Um, but I thought he was fantastic. Interesting. Um, and, and it was great. And then I got to see it here in LA with Leon Russom. Cool. Um, and he Who did, did a good. Uh, I can't remember the name of the company, and I should have looked it up, and now I'm embarrassed. Um, but he was fantastic in it. I think he got an ovation nomination for that. How well, embarrassing, right. Scott. Yeah, I know. How embarrassing. I'm, gonna, I'm I know. like looking it up fast. Look that um, shit up because that's but cool. But then I and yeah. I, I'd seen another regional pro- so I'd seen this. I've seen this a few times. Yeah, over the years. That's you guys, very cool. You guys, what I've you never really seen look- it. Have oh, you seen Annoyance Within? Annoyance oh, Within. Within. Yeah, like okay. a cool. super great legit company. Uh, yeah, I like a noise within. I saw their um uh the best thing I've seen there was their six characters in search of an author. <laughs> that was solid. They did <clears throat> Uh, um, I know there's been some controversy surrounding them in terms of like they did like an all white Don Quixote a few years ago and people were like what? Oh. Um, but that's a weird show anyway. Um, but uh, uh, I've never seen it. However, I have Broadway HD 
and I watched the Ed Harris uh, one, mm. which is quite good. I highly recommend it. The only person that doesn't pull their weight, which I'm sad to say because I'm actually kind of a fan of him, is Nat Wolf. Oh, um, yeah. Plays the son, um, Vince. Is that his name? Vince, Vince. Um, and he's, he's fine in it, um, but I really love him as um, uh, in uh, Hereditary. Oh, yeah. He's yes. really fantastic in Hereditary. Uh, or is that his brother? No, I think it's him. Um, and then he's in like the Jumanji movies and shit. So, you know, he's doing it's, his thing. It's funny because great in this play. Um, Ethan Hawke played Vince in the Steppenwolf production that I saw. Right. And I think um, I think that I think almost any actor is doomed with that part. Like you have to be really exceptional. You have to be exactly the right age to fit it. But yes. it's not you don't like the character from the second they fucking for whatever reason, you don't like the character. Oh, yes. really? Oh. I, I have I a didn't, hot take and, on Vince. Yeah, do it. Tell me um, that he's overwritten a little bit. Oh, oh. Like, and maybe it's just hearing Nat Wolf say it. Because when I read it, I didn't feel this. But when Nat Wolf was giving lines, there were certain lines where I was going, that was a lot out of your mouth, son. Like, like I was mm. like, I, it just felt like he it was like a little on the nose. And maybe it was just his acting. But specifically in the moment where he's like trying to, in the first time we meet him and he's trying to convince them all of who he is and they can't remember him. Mm -hmm. um, and then he like leaves Shelly alone with them or whatever. He says this line, he's like, I just need to think things through. I don't know why they can't remember me. And maybe there's something I need to do to fix this. And then he leaves, but it's just so, that's the exact line. It's so on the nose where I'm like, huh, is that on purpose? And so mm -hmm. I think actually what you said, Scott, makes it more interesting. I think it's just that it's a very difficult part to get right. Yeah, and, it, and, and it it's right, it can be great. Like, it, like and it's not even the it. acting. It's it's yeah. something about you. You have to cast the right person to kind of fit in there, right? And and because they're descending into that, they get sucked into the family. He gets yeah. becomes a part of it. And um, well, let's kind of step through the plot, CJ. Do you yeah. do you have a CJ? Do you you've never seen this? No, I've never seen it. And did you listen to this? I well, I'd read it years ago, and then I listened to this. Um, Who was there? Anyone of note in that in that? LA listener? Theater Works. No, the the person um, Amy, that I remember of note was True West. So, um, okay. Amy Madigan was in the that LA Theater Works. Oh, okay. Um, oh, she's the one who's in the Ed Harris one. Yes, they're that's married. Great. They're married. In, right, in that's that. fantastic. Yeah. So she, I don't know if she had done it before, if that if that recording was done after they had done. Uh, they were, it was an off-Broadway run, right? It wasn't on Broadway that they did. Ed, right. They had Harris one, correct? Right. Um, I, don't, um, I can't it's remember. It's fantastic, though. I've it's got the cast good. up if anyone's got questions. I just remember um, thinking the Dodge guy was so good. Tom Bauer. I don't know who that is. So. Oh, nice. Very yeah. cool. Um, let's kind of step through the plot. Yeah? Let's just, like, kind of quickly. Because um, the, the, the really interesting thing is all of these um, sons. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and specifically, I love Tilden. Uh, that's a part I'd like to play. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'd really like to play Tilden. Um, the first thing that happens is, you know, you have Ed Harris and excuse me, you have Dodge. And is it yeah. Hallie? Hallie or Haley? Haley. Haley. I read it as Haley. Haley. Yeah. Are sort of yelling off uh, at each other off stage, which I always love that device. That's a very like odd couple kind of device to have like one person, Felix off stage screaming at Oscar kind of thing. Um, which I, I love that and household then, and that dialogue, <laughs> right, right. that di yeah. Right. And that and, dialogue is really 
fun and kind of absurdist. Yeah, it is. And but they also like bring up things like in non sequitur, like like, oh, and our son Ansel, whose Catholic wife killed him. And you're like, what? And then they like they like move on, like shit like that. And then Tilden comes in with corn. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is my this is my thing I was telling CJ about. I'm so proud. At some point in my life, at I think it was middle school, I was imbued with the knowledge that if you use corn yeah. in in literature, it is a sign of, of spiritual purity. Oh, um, so it sounds th- like some Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat bullshit. <laughs> I wore my coat. But it's a. I can't wait for it. For uh, <laughs> He's not on our list for this season, but he will be. Uh, no, that's going to be. A no, fun, we can wait till season episode. five or six. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't need uh, to rush into it. Can I make one comment about the Catholic thing? How you said that was kind of a weird like fit in for like this this play especially because it's the whole illinois midwest thing it was it for my entire family and i'm only saying this because i know my parents aren't listening to this (laughs) my entire history with my family there's been this major storyline that my dad was baptist his parents are baptist and my mom was raised catholic and my mom insists that her mother-in-law just hated her for being catholic Hmm. So I, to me, that is a Midwestern thing where Catholics are like, they're not Christians. They're not one of us. In fact, no. they're probably Satanists. Like, no. so that, no. I, yeah, that if one for, hit me. I was like, yep, that's, uh, yep. It's funny right. for years. I, I don't know if you guys experienced this quite as much as I did, um, but there was a, a huge movement to bring prayer back to schools, prayer back mm-hmm. to schools. Right. And, and there was a, guy some on some show donahue or whatever the fuck and he's like all you have to do to to end that discussion is go cool can we use a catholic prayer and and watch the other side melt down over you know it's like okay like yeah i'm yeah i i get i understand it and i we don't need to go into all that (laughs) but i it's it's fascinating because that that whole opening scene when tilden walks in uh with the corn yeah, and then he's like, "It's out there. It's right outside." And she and they're like, "We." And, and she's like, "I don't. There's no corn out there. There's been right. a, nothing out there." And he's like, "Well, so for, where does the corn come from? Right. Where does he and, fucking and get it?" Dodge and, thinks he's stealing it from neighbors. Right. And right. then she sees it at the end. She sees it at the end. Well, does well, she, she? Yeah. Well, she, she acknowledges. She says she sees. She goes, it. "Oh, there's, there's corn. It's grown in the fields." Also, you you banged your son. So, oh, also did I jump ahead? Also, oh, that's a spoiler alert! Come <laughs> spoiler. On. Um. We need to write. We need Listen, to write. I, I think I waited the 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 required forty fucking years right. to do right. it. You know, right. we we need to write a spinoff of this play. It's yeah. like Desdemona for Othello. We need to write a play where you watch the corn and the carrots grow in the backyard. I, just just the just or just be the the neighbors. Be just the, the neighbors that are really fight. like like what. Why is he digging it? Oh, spoiler alert. (laughs) No, we do it like train spotting. We do it like train spotting, and there's a dead baby crawling around the whole time, but it's like a fake puppet. Yeah, it'll be great. Um, Sorry, folks. Um, uh, Warning, trigger alert, dead baby jokes. Sorry, Um, sorry, sorry. 
Wow, yeah. we went dark. We, went <laughs> we dark. did, we did. Yeah. But if, <laughs> what are we talking about here? What else what are, are we, we talking yeah. about? Here? We're talking about Barry Child. Um, but yeah, in case you didn't know, that's sort of that ends up being the secret that's told, and it comes out in Act Two or Three. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's Act Two where um, Vince leaves Shelley. So, so long story short. Um, uh, you know, Bradley comes in, an, another brother, and shaves Dodge's head for some reason. That's something I'm super confused by. And he's cut his Bailey leg off. Set it up. And he's, he's cut, cut his, his leg, leg off with a chainsaw. Right. And... Um, crazy shit. And then um, Vince and Shelly show up, and Vince is Tilden's kid. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, the first time I read this, the when I got to the end, I went, "Oh, Vince is the baby." Mm. Mm. and they're all just imagining he and Shelly mm. but I don't know that that tracks and now that I've read it again I, I've yeah, never thought it, about it it. It's, <laughs> it doesn't track really and maybe metaphorically well, it does somehow but I just I, I, that's not where I end up with it well yeah I and people don't recognize him. Tilden doesn't recognize him. Right. Nobody well, recognizes so, him. And then she kind of, then Haley's kind of like, oh yeah, Vincent. Well, he was a very nice little boy. Right. But then they don't recognize him. And this is a big part of this show that this is what hits me every time I read this. This is what hits me really hard is they recognize him when he finally decides to stay and take care of the family farm. Right. Talk about a Southern Midwest type of family dynamic right where i mean i don't have that so much you know what i mean but like my dad did mm -hmm. and his dad did mm -hmm. and my my dad's brothers did you know where it was like well no you're meant to stay and take care of the of the the um land mm -hmm. you know like who's gonna take care and, and it's not just like the family business it's like no the family house matters the legacy matters this might be a, a broken down yeah exactly this yeah. might be a it's broken curse down of old family. house it's yep. the curse of family. It's being haunted yep. by family. Yep. The fact that Dodge gives him, gives Vince everything at the end. You can have yep. the house. You can have, you know, except for some right. of the farm equipment, you can have it all. And right. that convinces him to to stick with it while yep. Shelly goes, fuck this. Yeah. I'm out, dog. Well, so then, so back to the point is that Vince Sorry. and Shelly, no, 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 I, I forgot about this too. Vince and Shelly uh, show up and then Vince leaves her there. And she and Tilden start talking while they're working on the carrots. Right. And Tilden basically just tells this story of how he had a baby with his mom and then his dad buried it in the back. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. <laughs> and you're yeah, like, it's just kind of what? Like, yeah. It's just kind of matter of fact. But matter it matter of fact, it, 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 the question then becomes when did, when was Vince conceived? Yeah. When who yeah. his mom like yeah. and the dark like Tilden is seems like a ghost to me. He's he's or, just or mentally not present. Yeah. Right. I think I it, yeah, that, that he's that, yeah, I mean, uh -huh. I don't I don't mean literally a ghost, but just he's just floating through. He's just existing in this world and and at first I thought by the performance and the performance of him by, on this Ed Harris one, I I was thinking Oh, he's neurodiverse. That's how mm -hmm. this guy's playing him. But mm -hmm. actually, no, I think you're more, I think he's just. It's years on of trauma. Plane. Yeah. I think it's having your brain calloused over a lifetime by your yeah. own I mean, that's family. what all these plays are. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, and I, th I, I was, I, I noticed this time reading it and I should note digression 
hashtag George um, <laughs> that I I was reading this while I was listening to the LA Theater Works version. Yeah. And in '96 he tweaks it. Uh, Shepard tweaked. Uh, I think for the Steppenwolf production, he had he adjusted the script. Yeah. So there were there were weird little changes as, as I was following along that, that it doesn't change anything plot wise. It, it more fills out um, and allows moments to breathe a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but I think now I might have them flipped in my mind. But in the new version. He doesn't say he drowns the baby when he first when Dodge first brings it up, but in the original he did. In the oh. original he talks about very quickly. He's like, "I, I drowned it. I drowned it." Yeah. Before the big monologue, before the this is right, the act right. two revelation. Right. So there was there were little tweaks and little adjustments as, as my brain was trying to process and like, uh, did you guys just notice like the, just the amount of talking about memory. I don't remember sure, this. Yeah. They don't remember me. He right. doesn't remember that. That doesn't mm-hmm. remember. Like, yeah, I found that so interesting. And it's like these they're like they're in the prison. The prison is their family, you know, and uh, and and also that that the world around them, you know, there's obviously themes about the death of the American dream. But, mm-hmm. you know, as things are sort of dying around them, just that they're each other's albatross in some way. Absolutely. I I feel like um well and I think all I think this is an underlying message in all of his play well all the ones I read I'm not as familiar with him as you guys but and it's something that I experienced growing up with both sides of my family where serious shit happened problems happened that right. that affect people for the rest of their lives and change relationships and you don't talk about it and if you yeah. don't talk mm-hmm. about it it doesn't exist. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's such a Midwest family that. thing. Yeah. But I think yeah. after reading his shit and all of his stuff is all over the American map, it taught yeah. me, like, I always was like, oh, it's just a bunch of dumb white trash in the Midwest. And it's like, no, I no. mean, I think it's generational. Yeah. The whole it was thing very... of not being able to talk about serious stuff. Yeah. I think it was very much, very much a generational thing that he would have encountered. And that was this whole, the, all the young men who came back after World War II, it right. was put it away and forget about it. Right. Put we it don't away and forget about it. We don't right. talk about our problems and we're not right. going to do that. And Which, can you imagine the PTSD that was yeah, exactly. depressed? But so and, to bring it to 2020, what, like we said earlier, uh, you know, we've now had generations come out of this time where we were telling everybody, just put it away. We don't, you mm-hmm. don't have trauma. Mm-hmm. Everything's fine. And yeah. now the collective trauma of America that has been raised by those men and by those people yeah. and by the is is we're on we're on another level now. That's why the capital thing is happening. That's why there are 70 million people voting for Trump. Because Isn't it it's fucking horrible. <laughs> yeah, because because there's a collective trauma that we haven't dealt with yet. And yeah. this play is one of the the big sounding the big fucking warning lights mm-hmm. it's 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 going yo this is a signal like y'all if we don't deal with this trauma now oh my god this is what it's going to look like generations from now mm-hmm. and, and he's not I, talking about the future he's setting it then but it's still it's timeless you know and, and in 1978 they were like 
we're not going to nominate this guy for a Tony. I want to talk about this. Well, it's the Tonys. It's the Tonys' fault that we yeah, have Trump. It's the Tonys' well, fault went, that we have Trump. It's the Tony. I'll, I'll buy that. Yeah, but the, you know, take. But it's it's also you know we talked about you know his his self improvement and following yeah. that that process that he discovers in London, which leads him to writing this, but. It's so much about mental health. I mean, yeah. I think part of the, the, the tragedy of what we're dealing with right now is also that we don't recognize shit. There's yeah. 70 million people that voted for Trump because they didn't they couldn't ha recognize sociopathic behavior. Right. They couldn't recognize that there was something wrong here. Um, and I don't to. mean to get super political about it. I'm just but, stating facts and I'm telling you what what literally right. thousands of psychiatrists have publicly come out and said. Right. But outside. That, outside of politics like back to to Barry child that's what this is about like they're talking about i don't recognize you i don't recognize they don't right. they're not recognizing any of the trauma and the bullshit that's coming up and that's what we're dealing with now it's a bunch of shit is there anything else we want to say about Barry child I do. I, we could talk about it all damn day all and day. i want to hear everything you guys have to say but i want people to go read this one absolutely really can i get your guys's um feedback on on Alden, Alden is dead. He's he's the dead son. Is it Alden? I wrote down Ansel. It. Ooh. <laughs> Am I crazy? Oh, maybe I'm wrong. I may have, I may have written it down wrong. I Hold also on. may have written it down. Well, of course, he's not in the cast list because he's dead. He's not a character in the play. Anyway, <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. Right? I wrote down Ansel. And I'm mm -hmm. probably wrong. I might have been thinking of uh, there's a there's a character named Ansel and Killer Joe. That might have been. Right. I think it's mm -hmm. Alden. I do think it's Alden now. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. But like, th there's this other brother. We don't know where he falls in terms of the ages. Yeah. We don't know. We know that that his mom thinks that he was some sort of superhero and athlete mm -hmm. and all this stuff. But then she's like, and she's going to get the, you know, uh, uh, what's his name? Dewis, 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 Father Dewis, who she's Dewis. Dewis. Haley's fuck boy, <laughs> which is a whole other like brilliant sort of point and jab at the, uh, you know, sort of religious hypocrisy and whatnot. Mm -hmm. I love Well, that. and he has, he, he has the, that character has the most chilling, chilling line in the play for me, which, which was, is it's important to believe in certain things oh, oh. and i'm like um anyway talk about a midwestern oh. pastor way of speaking yeah uh go ahead i Sage. had one thing because we were talking about bradley earlier you guys were talking it, it's another thing like we we're talking about the catholic thing bradley getting his leg he sawed off his own leg with a chainsaw uh-huh i i grew up in a town where there was a kid a year behind me that shot his eye out because he thought it would be cool to bury a firework and shoot it with a hunting rifle. And it came back and shot his eye out. So Dear that's what I, Lord. <laughs> yeah, Holy it's like, balls. it is a, it is a character thing. Like he was a, he was a sophomore junior in high school when that happened. Fuck. Wow. And then, and then the other thing that I just want to bring out about Bradley and I, I, I found it in all the other plays we read was I feel like there's also an underlying message or maybe not so underlying message of the, what is the neutering of men um, mm. and taking their power away. And Bradley, like Bradley was the character and there's, and, and then Lee is this character for me in True West. There are these men that come in that people are fucking terrified of. Mm -hmm. And it, 
they were the characters that whenever I was reading about them, I was like, oh, fuck, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? They're going right. to flash out. They're going to be violent. Right. And then by the end, they are neutered. Right. Um, yeah. And yeah, absolutely. Bradley was that character for me. So after I listened to this one again, I started looking for that in the other plays and I found it in them. Yeah, I and 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 to relate it to another literary character who was quote unquote neutered, Captain Ahab. Mm. The whole thing of him losing his leg. The idea is that he also lost his his manhood. junk yeah. and his manhood, right? So it's actually almost maybe even a reference to that. That's interesting, mm. Siege. I didn't. I did not even read that at all. That's great. I, I've never read Moby Dick, so is that oh. Moby Dick? Yeah, I, I've never read it, Moby yeah. Dick either. I, I don't know that I. I got it on will. Audible. I just haven't listened to it yet. Interesting. Uh, uh, the first line is, uh, uh, "Call me Ishmael." Yes. yes. <laughs> You're doing and great. the reason I know that is because I was in an eighth grade. I was in a uh, gay pride musical called Moby Dick the Musical, which is um, I call it a gay pride musical because it is very like like um heavy on the like ahab and pip are fucking and it's awesome all right and it's really fun and um <laughs> ahab is uh a man playing a woman playing a man because it's about a uh sorry to digress on this but who cares mm. um, it's our fucking podcast uh there's uh there's a group of kids at an all-girls school putting up um moby dick as a musical and this little girl has written all the music and she wants to play Ishmael and they get the headmistress who's played by a man in drag to play Ahab. So it's a Very man ruthless. playing a woman playing a man and it is one of the most fun musicals ever. <laughs> that sounds like sounds fun. Like fucking great. Allie Miller. Uh, uh, yeah. Ali Shaw Cherry Fisher. Cherry Poppins fame. Yeah. Um, what a uh, big, big friend of the pod and Cherry Poppins. Um, Delightful person. Organizer. And, yeah, big deal. Um, she uh, did a production of it years ago that apparently did really well. And it's it's just so fun. It's I, I, I I'd love to put that up again someday. Anyway, I, I just saw her on Zoom the other day. Oh, yeah. yeah, Allie. Okay. Um. So, <laughs> anything else on on Bird Charles? Uh, I will. Because I... <laughs> we could uh, we could go all day. I was just time. taking notes. It's just one. Of the... <laughs> this is a weirdo fucking family, and I yeah. don't want to have dinner there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. I almost I almost brought up like, should we tell stories of times that we went and met like families of uh, of partners and things like that or whatever, but that's a whole other podcast. We'll that, get yeah, right. that also just reminded me where I grew up, my town bluffs had 800 people in it. Um, there was a town that used to be like a huge town because it was a stop on the Illinois River mm. called Naples, which mm, yeah. by the time I was a kid, there's like their population sign is like 150. Nobody sure. lives there now. It's it's a poor community. It's all trailers. And as a child, I believed that you had to move to Naples if your parents got divorced. <laughs> because it seems, everyone, it's law. That's law. <laughs> law. I knew because I had friends there, but their parents were always divorced. <laughs> oh my wow. god! Wow. <laughs> Amazing. Um, That's something those were out also of a the Sam households. Yeah, there were there was also a household there. One of my best friends there, her mom got a boyfriend when we were like 10 or 11. And I would go there for dinner and I would just be like, he creeped me the fuck out. I hated going to their house when she started dating him. So, but I hate, like we would always sit down to dinner and we would hang out and I would just be like, I don't want to be here. So anyway. Great. 
What are we talking about next? <laughs> next up, our next deep dive here on the station that never stops. Going back to 1967, here's Ringo playing, singing lead with a little help from his friends. Oh, uh, uh, sorry. <laughs> this used to be old. I used to work in an old timey AM oldie station. Old timey? Old timey. It was old literally old timey. Like, well, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was a crotch hair away. It was a crotch hair away. Yeah. Next up is True West. Maybe you've heard of it. What year was that? 1970, uh, 79, 80. Yeah. Um, It debuted in July of 1980 at the Magic Theater uh, in San Francisco. And I don't think we mentioned that he was the playwright in residence there. And he also wrote Barry Child there. At the Magic Theater. Yeah, uh, the Magic yeah. Theater, uh, and yeah. they're still around, and they still do fucking yeah. great work. And I haven't been there in years and years and years. And is that in the Tenderloin? I can't remember. That's where Theater Row. We just did the Fringe Festival there in two thousand nine, but all of the theaters, our theater, was in the Tenderloin, and I'm like, yeah. that seems like an appropriate place for Sam Shepard to be right. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, yeah that'd be yeah. so cool. Mm-hmm. You know, I um, see, I see a lot of like posters for Sam Shepard shit near and around L.A. in normal times, and I. I got to be honest, it's, and we've talked about this with other playwrights. A lot of the time I go, ugh, really? Mm-hmm. Right. Really? You know what I mean? Like, oh, you're doing that one. Oh, you're doing Fool for Love. Oh. Good for you. Yeah. Good oh. for you. But part of it is probably that I'm jealous. Uh- <laughs> yeah. I mean, right? I mean, it's like at this point, I'm going to go with Buried Child, for example. I'm going to go, if there's a production going on, I'm yeah. going to go see it. It is such a dense play. It is so yeah. rich and so layered um that even if it's an insanely flawed performance and staging yeah the the text itself is going to carry you through in terms of you getting something out of it every single year at hollywood fringe festival there's a production of uh cowboy mouth and there's always a production of cowboy mouth and there's always a production of uh danny the deep blue sea yep and i always go see them and every time i'm like mortified by what they've done to it and like and it's always bad okay that's all i'm gonna say because i'm sure people listen to this who have worked on this project so um true well, here goes my journey in the deep blue sea of fringe yeah don't do that in the deep blue sea of fringe <laughs> um okay so i was gonna uh, do a one-man version you're directing so i didn't tell you did you oh, <laughs> did you get my text we're in we this. do it like we we've already like dropped five thousand dollars. We do it like the conversation in Jekyll and Hyde, though. So one half of you is Roberta, <laughs> half of you is dead, and you just turn your face every time you're gonna. Okay. Hey, Roberta, I'm a fucking beast. You're not a beast, Danny. I'm a fucking beast. <laughs> oh man, I want to do that now. Yeah, That's right. So good. Um, CJ, why don't you tell us what True West is about? CJ's breakdown. Um, a sibling rival rivalry between rivalry. two estranged brothers, Lee and Austin, who have reconnected. Did you say <laughs> strange brothers or estranged brothers? Estranged. Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah, and I also estranged. And strange. Strange um, brothers. They're both. Um, this was the scene that Scott and I read at the beginning of the first episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. This episode. <laughs> it was fine. Yeah. So, yeah. True West it's is fine. that. Thanks, CJ. It's I'm fine. kidding. I'm kidding. It you directed great. us. I have seen so many productions of True West. Uh, really? Most of, most of them not great. Yeah. Um, I remember the first one I saw was the PBS filmed version of the Malkovich Sinise. Right. Uh, 
And I still think to this day that it's the best thing that John Malkovich ever did. I do think that he Ooh. was elect. Uh, and not, and I, I don't mean to disparage anything else that he's done. On I just air, th- huh? <laughs> on air. Oh, sorry, sorry, Come my on. my bad, my bad, sir. Um, his his uh, Razzie Award winning performance in <laughs> on air. Come on, <laughs> I've opened um, for the Razzies before. Have yes, you? you have, yeah. That's in cool. A, in a singing dancing group, yeah, we did it a oh, couple shit. years. We were about to do it before quarantine happened. Everybody, go find that video on YouTube and send it to us. They All right, still, go ahead. Yeah, I was a I was an Adele impersonator one year. Fucking hey, <laughs> do it oh, right I'm now. Sorry. Do us some Adele. I'm Adele. That's it. Perfect. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I sang hello. Were you were you trying to do an accent there? <laughs> Sounded like it didn't feel like the it. Felt like it didn't sound like it. Felt the like it didn't. Shade of it I'm Adele. I'm Adele. <laughs> I'm Adele. You can't okay. tell me what to do. I'm Adele. <laughs> Oh, I'm Carol Churchill. I'm Carol Churchill. <laughs> I'm with Carol Churchill. I'm going to beat your ass. <laughs> Go back and listen to her. Uh, please, Carol Churchill, don't don't be angry at us. We love <laughs> you. We worship at one. your feet. Check out Carol Churchill. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good time. We digress. Um, Drew West is really fun. I've never seen this per- this show. Oh, wow. I've never seen this You've show. Never, so you, you, you did see, see the Gary Sinise Malkovich? No, no, no. There was oh, they they filmed the... they filmed a PBS PBS Got did it. a filmed version of it, but it. it is still electrifying. We re yeah. uh, rewatched it. My roommate Brian Krasner, uh, who will come up later in in this series, um, As he but does. we rewatched it, and I remember watching it like as a, as a young student, a young acting student, go God damn, and I watched it again, and I went God damn, like it's it's. <laughs> It's a marathon. It's two hours. Like it's no joke, and like yeah. they tear the fucking place apart. Yeah, and they both just go spiral into it. It's um, Sam Shepard's funny play. <laughs> yeah, this has bug vibes for me. This is like yeah, you can where see you're just putting oh, two people in a small space and letting them go. Well, okay, and and I've always been knocked out even reading it and even in the like the worst fucking productions of it I've seen is that within 60 seconds of lights up you're on uneven ground there is tension in the room and you're not quite sure why you know like those brothers are just like you're not quite sure what the relationship is yet the, yeah. you don't know why one of them's there one of them's creepy and then uh, yeah, he I started beca- it terrified of Lee. Yeah, you're terrified of him, and yeah. you know, and then he falls, and they they switch places. You know, yeah, very zoo I, story. Uh, very zoo story, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. I, it's got that feel, and actually, that's what I thought of when I watched the. Uh, I did watch the Broadway HD one. Um, there's a, uh, I think the director's Philip Breen. Let okay. me look this up because I I don't want to mess up who's in it, but I didn't know them. It's at the tri- Tricycle Theater. Yeah, Tricycle Theater in London. Oh. um, It has uh, Alex Ferns and Eugene O'Hare, neither of whom I knew. And uh, I put it on, and they're both giving me, like, weird-ass takes on these dudes that I never read them as. Like, when I read it, this is not how I envisioned it, and yet Mm -hmm. I loved it. They're Mm -hmm. really – I highly recommend anybody go find this one. It's quick. It's two hours, um, but they – fill it this director filled it with tension mm. and it, you can feel it and it's got that zoo story tension where you're like is he gonna hurt him 
Mm-hmm. Is, is he going to hurt him? Mm-hmm. Oh, he's going to hurt him. Oh, no, they're right. buddies. Oh, they're buddies. They're fine. They're brothers. Everything's fine. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. They're going to kill each other. You know? They're going to switch. <laughs> yeah. And I absolutely love that. And that's that's definitely a zoo story vibe. Wow. Okay. Albie, Let's, and Shepard are kind of a weird triangle of similarity. Should write a designing women. Well, I think you got to throw Beckett in there, too. And yeah. I mean, I, I know. Guess you're right. I, yeah. Uh, well, Beckett had a huge impact on Shepard. They're all early students on. of of Beckett. It feels right. like sure, but then yes. I would argue. But I would Beckett argue Beckett is a Stelgetti. Beckett is a Stelgetti. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, perfect. I, but it does. It feels like. Thank it, you for being a friend. <laughs> You're welcome. Let's <gasps> picture it. Uh, picture it. Sicily. Sicily. <laughs> 1978. He writes. Fairy child. Um, no, I feel like Beckett is, um, you're right, is Sophia. <laughs> Sam Shepard is B. Arthur. Um, or or um, what's her name? In the- Dorothy. Yes. Um, uh, Tracy Letts is, uh, is absolutely um, uh, Rose. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. And then fucking uh, Albie is, is uh, Blanche Devereaux. <laughs> absolutely. All right. This is beautiful. <laughs> We've just we've just sort of (laughs) succinctly put 20th century theater exactly where it should be. That's it, guys. And I love that we put it in the frame of old women. (laughs) The Golden Boys. We're gonna write this. This It's gonna be similar to One Night in Miami, where it's four legends, one night only. Which everyone should check out on Netflix. Yeah, Regina King directed uh, the play into a movie, and it's the first time I've seen, including I love fences and ma rainies but this is the first time i've seen a play translated to film where i was like oh shit Ooh, okay yeah, I'm excited. I, i've it's not watched really it. good oh my yeah. left everyone's gonna love it oh my um, left. anyway what else Missed. about true west i just wanted to piggyback on what y'all were saying this was yeah. the one especially that i was talking to matt valley about this because mm-hmm. i told matt we were doing shepherd and he's like oh i did a monologue i pieced together some lee stuff and did a monologue from that and I, I read this script and then I also listened to it. This is the one where Alfred Molina played Lee. Oh, cool. Um, Friend of the pod. Uh, and I- Doc Ock himself. Yeah. I, I tried to read ahead of listening to it. And th- the one that struck me the most was the mother. I read the mother completely differently than the, how mm. they had it in the reading. But the thing, I, I'm just, I agree with y'all. Like the, the relationship is so rich, but the backstory and the past- are so vague that you can do whatever the fuck you want with it. And yeah, yeah. everyone could be completely different in this play. And I yeah. love, and it's valid and it's cool and it's interesting. And I loved that about this. Yeah, I was I was struck with the detail this time reading his stuff, the detail of his stage directions. Um, like, and he's, he's very clear. Yeah. And well, he ended up directing a lot of his, his own stuff, Shepard did. Um, right, just yeah. because I it, wondered, it was, I wondered, yeah, and much, much in, like Beckett. Like like Be- right, I want to yeah. do it. <laughs> and much, yeah, much yeah. like Beckett, you know, he, he was like, nobody, like I'm, nobody, <laughs> kind of, kind of. I'm a little more pretentious about <laughs> well, it. Well, you're, you are Beckett. <laughs> I am Beckett. Yeah. So I'm Sophia. Perfect. And I'm Ed Gein reborn. You're okay. Ed Gein reborn. That's fucked Jesus. Up. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. But the but the <laughs> the 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 density and the specificity of of all of his stage directions, like I'm I'm like there are pages that are like 
text, just blocks of text to him telling you what's happening, but at the same time, just giving immense breathing room. It's yeah. like we when we started working on the scene for this podcast, like where it's like, ah, oh, does he have an accent? And it's like he could have an accent. We we think he could. Like why wouldn't right. he? It's kind of written, written that way. In there. It's written it's that, kind way. Of written that way. Um, but they have was... different accents in the version I watched, and I don't know if it was just people in England not knowing how to do American accent. Like the there's a From Here to Eternity musical that I really love, but this one guy's like, "Hey, I'm, you know what's up? I'm, I'm from Kansas, you know. <laughs> like, I'm from fucking Kansas." <laughs> they feel there's that way lot, about oh, us. Well, there's like, a lot. There's a lot of Doctor Who uh, that have you know the Brits playing Americans, right? Right. right. And it's like, uh, 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 nope, you missed. Like yeah. you, you're, you're I'm almost from there. New York, but there you go. <laughs> people like Tom Holland. Yeah. yeah. Well, right. but then you have people like Tom Holland who who's perfect at it. I think Christian right, Bale is middle, really great at Midwest. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 trying to do American. Yeah. You know, that's I'm really an hard. American. I'm an American because people this, hold on to their regionalism. Absolutely, for sure. This play also um, reminded me a lot of another Shepherd play that I totally forgot about that I did a scene from, and I'd love to go back and reread. It's called The Late Henry Moss. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah, about yeah. two brothers who have come together after their uh, dad has passed away in like a seedy motel or some Ooh, shit. And there's all okay. this shit surrounding it. And, but they're both like, they've they've inherited like all of his worst qualities and they're just fucking terrible to each other. Um, but it's like really tense and, and, and awesome. But this is sort of, in my opinion, I, I think it's actually earlier than Late Henry Moss. Um, but I think this is a better version mm. of the brother um, relationship being tackled, in my opinion. Yeah, and the idea that the, the I think that they're both shepherd. Mm-hmm. They're both mm-hmm. in a half of Shepherd. Yeah, um, is is really interesting to me for sure. And and how intensely, and how quickly that turn happens. Right. You know, it, it, it's 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 you know, it's all of a sudden you've you've got Lee, you know, at the typewriter, all stressed out because he's trying to get this thing done, and and you know, Austin's just losing <laughs> his fucking shit, and it's polishing clean. the toasters. Well, polishing I, the toasters. <laughs> I, I think about that a lot when I, you know, as somebody who writes now and then, I wouldn't call myself like a writer who is a writer and nothing else, but I write. And I, mm-hmm. you know, I think about that like when I was writing, let's say, like my, serial killers, right? The um, uh, uh, Three Guys, One Group on starring CJ Merriman. You know, that's you right. sit there and you do have two sides of yourself, right? You have the side of yourself that's like, that's brilliant, keep going. And then you have the side of yourself that's like, no, you fucking loser. Like, this is so stupid. <clears throat> and that's not really what this is about. But I was relating pretty hard to this idea of it being two sides of one brain, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and it yeah. not necessarily being about brotherhood. Right. It's not necessarily about like, this is what brothers are like. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's more about the writing of this screenplay and the battle of, you know, making art that may or may not i'm doing quotes um in case you couldn't hear it in my voice uh i sound like chris farley i didn't used to pop my pimples with a (laughs) compass i used in high school um (laughs) no one knows that that all right i got you i got you no i know it was matt foley wasn't it fine no it was chris farley um Matt Foley was the guy who I know what you mean. Matt Foley speaker. was the motivational speaker. This was the quote guy. Yeah, go on the the 
weekend update. Um, I we've digressed like nine times on this podcast. I apologize. Um, Mm-mm. what was my no? Point? But I think I think you're really onto something. This idea, like that, uh, it's almost like a meditative dialogue between two parts yeah. of himself. Yeah. And when you 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 mentioned art, and I think that there's this thing in there this is right as he's starting to enjoy success he's got the pulitzer at this point and i think there's a lot of talk about and 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 uh, reflection on what is art 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 versus commerce art art is as um uh, what the fuck what's the word i'm looking for art is business versus like right art as as an ideal or or philosophy it's like warhol versus basquiat Right. right. Fuck it's like, Warhol. And it, it's sort of this like interesting. Well, that's a. am actually putting that down as one of my because Scott and I have gotten into this. Debate we got before. into it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, like deep. I saw into his it. shit at the Tate Modern. Um, we're going to put a uh, we're going to put a. Uh, yeah, I've seen a few Warhol things. We're going to put a one of my Bailey's picks is going to be breaking down the Warhol Basquiat situation because I have a I lot think of it's apples and oranges. I think you're comparing two different not to di- not to compare to discuss their relationship and like mm. how that all happened. Fight. But I think it's um it's a it's a discussion we're gonna have someday but but warhol versus basquiat and this idea is you know or, or let's let's get out of that realm let's get let's go into like marvel versus independent film okay right, like marvel know. movies right it's sort of like austin has this kind of great idea that ends up getting called old and tired and then Lee comes in with this stupid, ridiculous idea, and Saul's like, "Yes, this is it. This is gonna sell like hotcakes." And it's like it just goes to like what we as viewers, you know, especially outside of theater, but it's becoming this way with theater. And maybe it's why Sam Shepard and Paula Vogel don't have Tonys is that we want, we want the big, we want the ridiculous, mm-hmm. we want the the. St- we don't want nuance. I don't want tension i don't want annie baker's the flick right i don't want to sit and listen for for, to five whole minutes of silence that's crazy well that's i think that's also the general public versus artists because like one of my favorite times of years to go to fringe and sit in a tiny theater with 20 other people i love it something crazy you know it's the idea that how do you how do you produce art that demands that has economic demands or economic necessities as part right. of it. Because even if you want to do a play right now, if if you wanted to do this play that has four actors, right, in, in, in a, any kind of semi-professional setting, if you were to do it at Pasadena Playhouse, let's say, mm-hmm. like that, that's an expensive fucking show, you know, and, uh, and it just becomes a weight i think that that we all have to deal with and he's trying shepherd's trying to work through it as well as all of his other family shit um yeah. i was going to bring up real quick maybe this is me did you guys notice that the more they drink the more honest and truthful they are like it's a it's For a sure. spiral but they it, it becomes a lubricant and i yeah. think that it's one of those things that he had to have noticed in his father and feared in himself. Yeah. Although, you know, Shepard was known to drink. I don't think he was alcoholic, but he did get arrested for drunk driving a few times over the sure. years. And- I mean, that's... Also, yeah. <laughs> to quote Tim Kopaz, if I may. Sure. Talking Fine. about the father thing. I, it's just another underlying theme that I picked up from all of these plays are sins of the father. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, Absolutely. yeah, yeah. I mean, especially well, I mean, lie of the mind, which we'll get into, is that is 
That'll but I, 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 I'll take that further. I think it's, it's, it's um, the sins of the parents. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. You know sure, what I mean? Sure. There's yeah. something we don't know much about Shepard's mom. He made his comments about about his father that his father was an yeah. alcoholic. But his the relationship with his mom had to have been weird or stressed out because yeah, the way we see it, especially moms. like this yeah. woman, you know, mom in, in True West comes walking in at the end and she's just like I remember used to, I used to think that this that scene was about her that her sort of not recognizing what was happening as being hurt or so right offended that her parents, her sons did this but then it's not i think it's 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 this ignoring that impacted both of their lives and an ignoring that goes on i see it all the time where mm-hmm. a kid standing next to his parent you know a young child kind of going and the, the parents like yep you bet and like giving this dismissive thing and i, I mean I, <laughs> there's only so much attention a human being has i'm not Sure, sure. Rating parents. But right. at some point you have to turn and look at the kid and you have to go, what do you got for me? What are you, mm-hmm. what are you doing? Look and them I, in the eye, get yeah. on their level and talk to them like a human. Yeah. And he's, and Shepard is, is a child of a generation that child needs to be seen and not heard. And yeah. mm-hmm. you could feel like this pain that he's dealing with through, through all this. Absolutely. We should also say True West is just a fucking entertaining play, though. It is. Well. I, yeah, yeah, I loved it. I loved it is. It. I saw it, it It's got two... a lot of lines that um, uh, are hilarious, but it's also got some poignancy, and it's it's a ride, man. It's a ride. I saw in for Hollywood for, yeah, which is you well, know, pretty much a two-hander with help. Yeah. Two-hander with help. But, exactly. Um, but I got to see, again, uh, like over in Valley Village area in 2003, mm. yeah. uh, I, it was it was uh, it was two black actors mm. um, and African-American woman playing their mother. Um, and it was just one of the be- like 20 seats. If there were 20 seats in the space, it was a wall. Yes. And it was it was like it was the first time after having been in L.A. for a little while where it's like, oh. <gasps> Like there, like really great theater is here. Like there yeah. is, like, yeah. and these kid, these dudes killed it. Like, and it was like full on. Like they tore it apart, and and um. So I, it's another one like Buried Child, where like True West. Uh, I'm gonna go see it, even if it's bad. I'm yeah. gonna sit through it because I'm gonna learn something <clears throat> as an artist, as a director, and an actor. I'll learn something from any of their errors. Yeah. But then, just as a fan of great literature like and and how much symbolism and metaphor and all that that he's loaded in you know it's another one that talks about memory do you remember this yeah, do you remember that right. no i don't remember that like right. these themes that repeat are sexy to me man he like me is obsessed with nostalgia and the lack of nostalgia in certain areas and i'm a very similar person my mom and i were texting yesterday about nostalgia and it's just isn't what it used to be, you know? Right, right. Well, hey, that I'll... was funny. Give me that. that was funny. <laughs> Nostalgia just isn't what it used to Come on. Uh, no, I got you. No. That's great. I'm quitting the podcast. Bye, guys. <laughs> um, it's good. mine oh. now. Oh, can I bring up one Wait. thing that I... I'm sorry, Siege? No. Go ahead. No, please, Siege. Go ahead. I've been no. Something that I connected this stuff with what's going on now is this nostalgia for this old time. Make America great again. Let's go back to the old days. But the truth of the matter was, is that it's never been great. It's never been. Right. In the old days, 
it was civil rights movement or before that slavery or Jim Crow or you know what I mean it's like what are you talking about we, it's you mean white women pe- it's white vote? yeah it's white <laughs> well, people talking about uh, yeah. you know their well, yeah. the American dream remember when our grand- privilege wasn't questioned right well like my grandfather was a world war ii vet and he always used to tell me when i was growing up all you need you just need a high school diploma and you can run a business and you can have a house and a boat and a family and they have that they had money um he was respected being a world war ii vet and it was alcoholism and unfaithfulness and just and it's it's drama that's still going on today and he's been dead for five or six years yeah Yeah. it's just they had the dream and it was not happy no and 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 it it was also given to them like the american dream is something that was created in a marketing you know boardroom it's not it's it's you know it's not a real thing you know what is the american what's what's your dream what's my dream like it's very very different but you were the conformity that was forced upon multiple generations you know i think that that's why the baby boomers exploded i think that's why you had the 60s was like this is fucking nuts yeah. like mm-hmm. what you're trying to make us do is fucking nuts and i that's this voice that's what's in this play yeah and and beautifully i really um, like this play i really love it <laughs> me too i mean like i said it's I really one like of those it. plays you can it, it can be done badly and it can still be enlightening can yeah. i I, I noticed something in this reading and I've read this play many times and yeah. seen it many times. It was the first time that I noticed the foreshadowing of the violence. Um, mm. Lee's Where got he the whole actually points it out. Kind of. Lee's like, yeah, he's like, you I'm know, you, you know, it. it's like, where's, where does most violence come from? It comes from within the family. Yeah. It's the brother, it's mm. the brother-in-law, it's your father. Right. It's the, and, and, and he I, actually I, says that. That's he right. Says it. Like, he literally well, says most it. Most murders are brothers. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> and you're, and you're like, oh, and I, it was the first time I was like, oh, duh, dumbass. Yeah. Like, yeah. I got, ah, yeah. Exactly. Um, it's a fucking amazing play, and it's a play that you know, I, uh, yeah. I'd love to tackle and and all that. Agreed. L.A. Spotlight. <laughs> okay, so last night I watched CJ and Scott in a uh, YouTube live stream of a not live Zoom performance of Watson. What's the whole title? The Last Great Tale. Watson, The Last Great Tale of the Legendary Sherlock Holmes. That's right. And it was uh, directed by Jamie Robledo, mm-hmm. uh, starring our own Scott Leggett as the titular Watson. Um, it was a great time. I've never gotten to see this show. It's something that did really well for Sacred Fools back in the it day. Was fun. Um, like ten years ago? Was it ten years ago? It was a decade. Ago, yeah. yeah it was so this was like a anniversary. anniversary. Very cool. This is um, the show that made Scott and I friends. Like this is where we right. met, basically. Yeah. yeah. And uh, one of my favorite parts of the whole thing was getting to see a lot of the actual original production. You guys had some filmed moments that were theatrical. It's a very physical action mm-hmm. play. So it and. Was- Another part I really love, shout out to Joyce Hutter, who had mm. the really cool puppetry going on in this. We job. should also give a huge shout out to Allison Faith Sulak, who yes, put who it all it. together yeah. and went out of her way Great to make job. it look make a zoom play look cool yeah it's cool as it shit. was yeah. definitely one of the cooler ones i've seen i was i was appreciative of it and i've been very open about how i feel about zoom theater on this podcast i hate <laughs> it but, th- but that was worth it to me that was fun um 
Uh, my friend, shout out uh, Jesse Bias and I uh, sat and watched it together, and we had Aww. a great time. Um, uh, Thanks for and, watching. Uh, Tim uh, Tim was present as well. He was on our uh, Shakespeare comedy episodes. Go back and listen to those. Is there anything else, LA Spotlighty, that we need to? No, you can check out. Uh, it's on YouTube under Sacred on the Sacred Fools channel. So check yeah. out that. Uh, just type in just... Sacred Fools Watson. That's what I did, and it popped up. So. Oh, pop, pop um that's all i have right now we have some cool. stuff coming um in the coming put weeks. some stuff on the insta mm -hmm. follow us on all the things but yeah. thank you for joining us for our first episode on sam shepherd the sam shep pod full four pod true cast whatever you want to count what is it podcast mouth cast pod mouth cast pod mouth um thank you buried for pod buried Did we pod? do buried buried pod buried cast buried pod Bear Bird podcast. Cast. I said something funny, but yes. I can't remember what I said. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, uh, the late Henry Pod. No, okay. Yes. Um, oh, it, podcast in B minor. Podcast in yeah, B minor. That's that right. That was a good one. Um, yeah, yeah. But we'll be back next week with part two uh, and the end of this. Uh, and I'm not going to drop what our next topic's going to be because I want you to listen to our next episode for that. So enjoy. But uh we'll do our rankings in the next episode yeah, we'll do our rankings that. in the next episode we'll do our um all the other things uh thank you uh do you guys want me to do this part or you guys want to do this part um no we should do it yeah do it we know most of you are nerds like us and want to join in on the conversation i know theater people can never shut up about their opinions so why don't you contact us subscribe yeah. email us get in on all the social medias please please message us on instagram email all that good stuff yeah. a big thank you thank you to pamela quinn for writing our original uh song for the miniseries which you'll hear right after this yes um and to ryan thomas johnson for writing our theme song and all of our new stingers yeah. we're excited about our stingers <laughs> <laughs> and uh oh, last of all annie baker Thanks, annie, annie baker i know you're out there and you want to have a beer with us <laughs> thank you for writing our show annie baker thank you By for the being way, brilliant <laughs> we are going to make that happen i'm gonna make that happen into yeah. the ether into the universe annie baker is going to have a beer with us on the podcast on All the right. podcast yeah i'm in in the next i'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna throw down this gauntlet in the next two years we will have annie baker on our podcast i love it yeah. i love it Damn. Damn. So follow us on the on all the things at theater underscore theater underscore pod. Uh, that's an R E first and E R second. Don't forget it. And um, that's it. We'll see you next week. Thanks, yes. guys. That Good was night. so fun. Hey, everybody. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Now I'm rocking boat. the boat. I'm a fool for love. For toxic love. Yesterday, you always know what to say.